Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. The duck goes quack. Welcome to the Fact Off. Welcome to the Fact Off, your weekly battle of facts, y'all. Alex is the host, not a slack off. Mike's got the facts that'll smack, y'all. But don't worry, cuz Pat's got your back, y'all. It's the Fact Off. It's the Fact Off. Yeah, it's the Fact Off. Fact Off, a weekly podcast where we bring you random and obscure facts and you, the listener, can decide who the winner is. And I'm Alex, and with me as always is Pat. Hey everybody, how are you? I'm good, and yourself? I was talking to the audience, I'm waiting for responses. What good, Pat? Okay. <laughs> and with me is his co-host, Mike. So I'm... I'm Pat's co-host, My but I'm not co-host. involved anywhere with you. No, we are not united in this. Alex didn't introduce himself as the host. He's just, I'm Alex, <laughs> and I'm true. Pat, and you're my co-host. So Pat's the host in this scenario, and I'm the co-host, and Alex is just the observer. Yeah, I'm like... The Holy Spirit. No one knows yeah, what okay. he does. He just yeah. in us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like the... Uh, like the Watcher or Doctor Fate. Yeah, everybody knows that reference. <laughs> yeah. Everybody completely understands that one. Yeah, I was going for the Bible Belt. Alex is going for the uh, Coastal Elites. By the way, guys, uh, teaser alert for my fact. My fact's going to include belts. Oh, yeah, your fact is going first, then. <laughs> you have to get there. We, didn't, <laughs> we don't even know who won yet. Who gets to pick the order? Yeah, whoever won got to pick the order. Mike, you did the numbers. One. All right, let me pull up my fact calculator real quick. This is not a mechanical calculator. It's just a digital one. I threw the mechanical one out the window, and it's showing right here. Alex is the winner. He had all the votes. All of them? No, he didn't. All right, I was the only one who didn't get votes. Which makes you the... Fact, fact off, off, jack off. Oh, yeah, it's a slack off. Sorry, Mike, so I get, off. Since I won, I get to get my victory fact. So my youngest son was making uh, snake noises today, so I That's figured I'll do, do a snake fact. Snakes don't have eyelids. <laughs> That's the whole fact. Yeah, yeah, they don't have eyelids. They you don't said it ink. as if you were going to say a lot more. I thought you guys were going to be like, what? That's wild. I quietly no, so... crap my pants. <laughs> it wasn't quiet. <laughs> no. Uh, no, they sleep with their eyes open. They don't blink. Um, instead, they have a thin membrane attached to each eye to protect them. That's um, an eyelid. That's why yeah. snakes are always watching. Yeah, their eyes, don't they do that like... Uh... I don't know. In movies, they always like blink sideways, right? Is that snake? You're thinking of the Jungle Book where the snake hypnotizes people. That's true. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Cartoons are always accurate. That's a law, actually. You know what else is really accurate? Pat's fast, fun, tack, fact, 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 Welcome, everybody, to Pat's Fun Fact Factacular, where I read you five random facts from this week's weekly calendar, and these are all straight in a row this week. We have caught up to the calendar. 
We are in a groove. I don't know if you guys can hear this, but all three of us, we're, we're sitting pretty. We're in a groove. All these facts this week are going to be fantastic, starting with my fun facts. Uh, and just because I think we got off base or off track, Mike, how about you give me the best fact of the week this week? I thought and, we decided, me and Mike, just feel it. And then we just uh, well, stop feeling it. Opinion. Yeah, what uh, are you feeling? C- continue. Uh, what do you feel like, Alex? No, I just think when you really hear the facts, we usually have like an emotional reaction to one of the facts. A guttural. Like, g- guttural. It has to be yeah. guttural. Like you have to feel it in that gut. Yeah. Either good or bad. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> this one might hit Alex in the gut because it's very close to his victory fact. Did you know bullfrogs do not sleep? Really? What do they do with their time? They croak. I feel like sleeping is like the best part of the day because it just kills time. <laughs> That's yeah. why you sleep. To, like I got nothing else to do. Well, you, you ever like fall asleep? Like, hey, I really want this thing to happen. Like you're excited about going to to do something. You're like, well, it's like four hours away. If I take a nap, maybe it'll speed the process up a little bit. Christmas morning. I go to bed December 1st. I wake up December 25th. We have a cryogenic uh, <laughs> room. Some might call that borderline comatose or a full comatose. We knock him out. We hit him in the head with a large comical mallet, and then we wake him up with uh, smelling salts. You know what's weird is that the water you drink might be older than the solar system. Explain how. The water you drink might be older than the solar system. I don't know. <laughs> it, no, might, it might not. No it doesn't make a side any, fact to that is uh, the water has the same water has always existed on this earth. Like the, we just keep reusing the same water over and over and over again. So whatever we're drinking probably was um, passing through some dinosaur butt at some point. Yeah, but older than the solar system. Yeah, probably came from another solar system. Um, oh, yeah, freaking. on a comet or whatever they call them. See, recycle. A comet. Whatever. Mike, your brain is so smart. Did you know that the majority of your brain is fat? Yeah. So when you call somebody fat brain as an insult, like that's just normal brain. Yeah, it's just a factual statement. Is that an insult? <laughs> Mike, it's called fat brain all the time. Yeah. Or is it like wet brain? Fat head. I think smooth brain is the insult. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, more wrinkles you have, the more you think. So fat brain is actually, a, I'm going to start calling people, hey, what's up, fat brain? My brain is a perfect <laughs> rectangular. Rectangular. <laughs> uh, all right. Rectangle. I still have two more facts. This is longer than, Alex, this one might hit home for you. The directors of the film Despicable Me wrote their own language for the minions. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. It's not that hard. It's just gibberish and saying banana. banana. <laughs> yeah. Every other word means banana. And then finally, during World War II, the Oscar awards were made of painted plaster. Yeah, because all the other metal would go into weapons. Yeah. Um, I don't like that water fact because it says might. It might, might have come here. Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, my favorite fact in there was... Huh. And Mike doesn't have one. I don't know. I don't have one. I don't have one. What was the first fact again? Bullfrogs don't sleep. Oh, I'll go with that one, Pat, because I liked your joke. What did I say? They croak. Oh, yes. (laughs) You didn't think that was a joke. (laughs) As your duly appointed winner, 
I get to pick the order that we go this week. And I'm going to go first. Boo. I like you went first, first last I week. Yeah, and I won. So yeah, I'm keeping with the method. Makes sense. I'd like to read you a quote <sighs> from Mar- Mark Twain. It is chief of this world's luxuries, king by grace of God over all the fruits of the earth, which one has tested it, he knows what angels eat. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Agree. What was Mark Train talking about? Fruit? Yeah, but which one? Apple. Or grapes. Hey, you get one pick. Oh, I'm going to go with grapes because he was a drinker, right? And that would be uh, wine. Mike? You know, I I don't know many fruits. <laughs> I think orange. <laughs> I've done like five fruit facts. <laughs> We've inundated ourselves with too many fruit facts. And Mike's forgotten all fruits. He was talking about the humble but mighty watermelon. Oh, so the close. watermelon. What is a watermelon but a giant grape? That, yeah, that's my fact. <laughs> so the watermelon is part of the Cupacanin plant family with cucumber, squash, pumpkins. It is classified as a vegetable. What? It is consumed as a fruit. Yep. What do you mean consume it as a fruit? <laughs> I completely dislike pretty much all the varieties of all those. I don't like raw cucumbers. I don't like raw. Um, but you. Your nickname in high school is Cucumber Boy. <laughs> well, that's for another reason. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, really tickled Alex there. <laughs> so, where is the watermelon from, you might ask? South America. Mike? That sounds right. No, you're both wrong. It's from Africa. <laughs> the watermelon is <laughs> from Africa. Wrong. Um... So, up until recently, they thought the watermelon originated in southern Africa, like 5,000 years ago, and it was used as a source of water, because the watermelon is 92% water. And they would use it in these desert climates when rainfall was scarce, and they would use them for water. That's what they were used for. Recently, up in like last year, or like two years ago, they determined that it might have came from... Uh, what uh, is close, most closely related to the Coronado melon of Sudan. So it's more northeast uh, Africa. So they, they would also drink the water, but then they would also roast and eat the seeds for nourishment. And I've never uh, had roasted watermelon seeds. Yeah. I hear they're pretty good, actually. I heard you could cook like a watermelon on like a grill as like a steak. It's like some things like vegetarians and vegans do. Yeah, I think you've watched uh, too many TikToks at that point. Time to turn off the app. No, but there was a scientist named Dr. Livingstone who went to the Kahari Desert in like 100 years ago, 120 years ago. And he saw like there's all these watermelons growing in this area. They were so, because they grow so many and they're relatively easy to grow and they can grow a lot and they're relatively free from like diseases and like this. People had them. Yeah, they have that large outer shell that protects them yeah. from like uh, diseases and that sort of thing. People love the watermelon. 4,000 years do. ago, watermelon seeds found its way to Egypt. There's p- tomb paintings 
King Tut was supposedly buried with watermelon seeds. Um, yeah, his favorite flavor of Jolly Rancher was watermelon. That's true. <laughs> um, it was more oval shaped, and I think this is when the watermelon maybe got more of the sweeter taste that it has. They said the other one is more bitter and like a lot more that's for drinking. Yeah, I could I could imagine that like the flavors changed over over time. I I could. Yeah. That's usually the case. Like stuff just starts tasting better as humans like um, adjust like the different like varieties and that sort of thing. You know, peop- everybody loves the watermelons. It's in the Bible, in the Book of Numbers. They talk about the Israelites long for it after leaving Egypt. It's the one thing they missed. I thought they wanted manna. Nah, people. Would you want manna or watermelon? Yeah, I don't think you want manna. <laughs> like watermelons falling from heaven, <laughs> a lot of people would die. That'd be a. Uh... A fun plague. We want watermelons. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the Greeks and Romans believed that it had medical properties, which is actually not that bad. So Hippocratic, <laughs> Hippocrates, Hippocrates and I can't say his name, to uh, Hippocrates might know like the Hippocratic Oath. It kind of it comes from him. Um, but they used the watermelon to treat heat, heat stroke. Yeah, Eventually, what they would do because <laughs> it's water. Well, that's... they would make a helmet out of the. <laughs> exactly, it was in heat stroke with kids. They would use this sh- cold shell and put on the kids' heads to help cool them down and make them look cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's when the first superhero uh, was made. And even it, Pitney the uh, the Elder, Pith the Elder, <laughs> <laughs> described it as a cooling fruit in his book Historia. So, like, people have been talking about it all, year, all the time. All year. All year. It's like the, the seventh talk of the town. Yeah, people just hear about, about this, those uh, watermelon hats that kids wear. In the 17th century, it expanded to India. In the 10th century, it went to China. The Moors brought it to Europe in the 13th century. And by the 17th century, it was found all over. Uh, they said it showed up as early as 1576 in Florida. Nice. But there was and an issue with the watermelon. Uh-oh. Well, it sucks, that, yeah. I, I it has seeds. Well, that's part of it. But also, it was hard to, like, the sell. Like, you couldn't, like, mass produce it. And, like, big. grocery stores, you would usually had to buy it from, like, a the farmer itself or grow it Yeah, a local farmer, like, farmer's market type thing. Hey, you'd have a watermelon guy. Yeah. But that all changed over 70 years ago. The USDA... Came up with the Charleston Gray Watermelon, which Ooh. is the most common watermelon that you think of. That big watermelon, it has like the green color, like the standard watermelon that you think of is what it is, because they could easily grow it. It was disease resistance. It was good quality, and they they can stack it and ship it and all. That's the one that's most common today. It's the gray flavor comes from like the inside of the vine, the light color on the inside. Also, in the 1950s in Japan is when they made the seedless watermelon. Ooh, thank you, Japan. Yeah, yeah. That's just the brief history of the watermelon. Wait, hold on. I have a question. Did you get up to the point where Harry Styles had watermelon for the first time? No. And he wrote his hit song, "Watermelon Sugar High." Watermelon Sugar High. Come on, Mike, tell me. I I just can't stand that song. That song's great. Oh, my gosh. It's my favorite Harry Styles song. And one last question for you. What is the largest watermelon ever grown? 
uh, size wise. Like what? How big is it? Or what is <laughs> what watermelon? Is what what variety how... of watermelon was it? Was it? I'm gonna say it was twelve feet in diameter and two tons. Okay, Mike, I would go lower. <laughs> I would say the size of like the first atomic bomb. That's a no one knows what the size is. <laughs> um, was it Fat Man or Little Boy? <laughs> little Boy. <laughs> They're both long. It was three hundred and fifty pound point five pounds. How much is a ton again? <laughs> a ton is two thousand pounds. Uh, I thought it was one hundred and fifty. Yeah, but the watermelon has been beloved throughout history. They said early travelers used to use it as a canteen. Gives us so much and acts so little. Little. I don't mind a watermelon. Watermelons are fine by me. I like them. What if in Western movies, instead of like them drinking out of the canteen and then like slowly rationing out, they had this gigantic watermelon they carried under their their arm and they were just like sipping from it. The problem is, they, a lot of times they didn't have canteens. If we watched a historically accurate movie, and then they showed little kids with watermelons on their head, everyone would think it was ridiculous. <laughs> Even if it was, like, historically accurate. Because it is just, like, only, like, a goofball would put a, a watermelon yeah. on their head. All right. What's, what's the name of your fact, Alex? Oh, also, I just wanted to point out, 1615 was the first appearance of the word watermelon in the book The Dictionary of American Food and Drink by John McCarney. Thank you, John. And the name of my fact is the melon of water. Now, watermelon sugar, ha! Watermelon sugar, ha! I'm waiting for someone to join in with me. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> Who's next? Uh, Mike went second or first, second last time, right? Or last? Mike can no, go Mike, second. Mike went second last time, but I guess he'll right. go second again. Let's go. Let's do this, guys. Let's just. Uh... <laughs> oh, did he? It's too late. You can't go back on it now. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's just rock it. Um, have you guys ever heard of the Midwestern goiter belt? No, but you did say you were going to do your fact about a belt. Yeah, and uh, you guys stumbled right into that one. Uh, what is a goiter? What's the Midwest? What's well, a belt? Midwest is typically like Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, that's that sort of area. But um, okay. the goiter Illinois. is like when your thyroid gland... Like right below your Adam's apple, it starts to swell up and get like a. I, I've sh- I'm sure you've seen some older folk with it, or like some people who have hyperthyroidism. It's just like, but it's specifically they have like a under, around neck. your throat. Yeah, because okay. already this goiter belt is sounding problematic. Yeah, <laughs> and if you had if you had to be stuck stuck with one belt, would you prefer uh, the goiter belt or a chastity belt? Oh, a chastity belt for sure. Uh, yeah, can I picked the Bible belt. <laughs> well, it's funny is the Midwestern goiter belt kind of overlaps a little bit with the Bible belt because that's a kind of the Midwest as well. So um, I thought that was more southern. I thought the Rust belt was more. All right, well, Midwestern. yeah, they, they all suck. We'll just say we'll just say that, even though we all live in one of these belts. Not Pat. Not me. I'm an East Coast elite. Wait, uh, Pennsylvania is considered part of the goiter belt. Wait, the goiter belt is an area? I thought it was a thing around the neck. <laughs> no. Continue your fact. <laughs> I said the Midwestern goiter belt. Oh, okay. Continue. <laughs> yeah. So I want to clarify some of these facts. 
send me some clarification questions before I carry on, because you guys seem to get confused in the early on parts of these things. <laughs> I reserve my questions till the end. Okay. All right. So the reason why I brought up the Midwestern goiter belt is a goiter is a thing that's on the neck. The goiter belt just says that there was like a rise of goiter cases in the Midwest. And that happened like in the 1920s, uh, specifically 1926, 27, 28. So doctors in the Midwest started noticing a rise in goiters in kids and adults in those times. Like a a drastic increase from like 400 cases one year to over 2,700 cases the year after. So it it was like a huge uptick. That's not good. No, I mean, it's not like... uh, if you have a goiter, it's it's reversible, um, but it, it does pose health risks like uh, fatigue and um, uh, increased heart rate and that sort of thing. So it, there's can be like different um, health issues that align with it. But oddly enough, uh, this trend was even found across species. Really? Yeah, I, they they discovered that brook trout in Pennsylvania. They thought they had like an outbreak of like uh, cancer of the thyroid, but in like further investigation, they found out that the the trout were experiencing uh, goiters. <laughs> so it's got to be something in the water, right? Uh, yeah, kind of. Well, as it was researched more and more, it turns out that this is like a a trend that goes up and down up and down depending on the decade so um it's it's some some decades is worse than others um but what the underlining cause was that if you live far away from like the coastline if you live like away from the sea like sea salt that sort of thing um there's no iodine in the soil or in the food you eat And, and the lack of iodine, that iodine deficiency is what caused um, the hyperthyroidism or like the goiters in the children and adults. Yeah. Um, so why would it jump one year and not the next? Well, so that that's the thing is they've actually noticed this trend uh, like through the decades and through like, like it's, it goes way, way back to like even um, like before people even knew about iodine. So it goes way, way back to like I'm the, just finding out. About I, it. I believe it was the Egyptians or one, one of the cultures they used to take. They used to eat seaweed. So when when people had goiters, they would treat it with like seaweed. Is there okay. a lot of iodine and seaweed? Yeah, there's like a, a lot of iodine and sea salt and and seaweed and like uh like seafood that sort of thing. Is that why when they started using like sea salt on their fries, specifically <laughs> in the goiter belt area? Yeah. <laughs> specifically yeah, in the goiter belt. from area. Ohio. So. Well, the reason why it was called the Midwestern Goiter Belt is because in the 20s, uh, that was like mainly seen in like Michigan and Ohio, all these like higher cases of goiters. Yeah, start eating a big bowl of iodine. But yeah, I think the reason why it really kicked off then, Alex, is uh, because people just started researching it more. And that's like, I guess, kind of where they kind of decided to fix this once and for all. So that's when they introduce like iodized salt. Okay. Oh, okay. But then they tell me salt's bad for me. Well, uh, we'll get to that in a second. That's what the hell a, did it's they an want interesting. From me? When did the little girl start wearing the uh, rain jacket and the umbrella and the salt spilling all over the ground? Is that what your fact is about? 
No, this isn't the fact about that. No. Okay. No. That's my fact next week. The Morton Salt Girl. The reason why they did it in salt is because salt's something that everybody has. Like, everybody uses salt. Um, it's easy to, like, transport and sell, and it's just uh, people use it throughout the season. So, like, you use it in the fall, winter, spring. You, it, you always use salt. Salt, 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 salt. Everybody. Salt, 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 salt. salt, salt, salt. sugar. Hi. So, yeah, in the 1920s, the U.S. and Switzerland were the first countries to introduce Iodized salt. Really? The Swiss are usually neutral on everything. <laughs> Not on they salt. They took a stand on goiters. They took a stand against the goiters. They said, we're not going to stand it any longer. Get out of here, goiters. Be gone. So the results of this iodized salt was they actually did see a huge decrease in goiters across the Midwest and wherever they implemented it. But then there was a rise in heart attacks? No, that, that's that's not part of this fact. But um, they didn't really have to... Imp- the reason why the Midwest is because Midwest doesn't have, like, the seafood, doesn't have, like, sea salt and iodine in the soil and the, and the water naturally. So that's why goiters were, like, a lot higher there. So it wasn't across all of the U.S., but Appalachia and, like, the, a lot of the Midwest, that's where the issues were. Interesting enough... Um, when they did so. this, uh, they also noticed some, th- this is slightly conjecture cause it's not completely, um, proven out yet, conjecture but they noticed no that, the fact off. <laughs> okay, that's why I'm kind of like, uh, <laughs> like putting a little bit of a, I, I will put a disclaimer. <laughs> this is not part of Mac- Mike's fact. The conjecture. Go ahead, part. Mike. Let me know when you're done with this part. Well, there, there is a lot of evidence for it, but the actual introduction of the iodized salt uh, was found to increase the IQ levels. Ooh. Is that why the Midwest is so smart? And also the height of people. And they're giants. So the reason how they kind of like uh, discovered this is um, when they introduced iodized salt, that was right after World War One and right before World War Two, So they actually took all the data from people who signed up for the military and they saw like, okay, uh. this group of people took iodized salt and this group did not. And they noticed a, di- discrep- like a difference in IQ levels and a difference in like heights and weights of the people who had iodized salt and the who- people who did not. So is this what they injected in the Captain America for the super soldier serum? <laughs> if you, if you look closely, salt? he had iodized salt on the table. It makes sense now. Man, he could do this all day. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the reason, uh, one of the reasons why they think this is the case is uh, increased iodine levels um, actually uh, helps your brain like grow properly and like uh, mature. <laughs> So, like, when you have decreased iodine levels, um, there's higher chances for mental uh, retardation, which I, I don't know what the proper term for that is now, but um, that's just what from the research I saw. Um, one other quick thing about it is that we're actually seeing an uptick again with goiters. They're making a comeback. Goiters are back on the table, boys. Because they keep telling us salt's bad for us. Well, yeah, I, I, you're, you're hitting the head right on the nail. The nail right on the head. That 
Okay. All right, you're hitting the nail. You're hitting your head on the nail. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's one of the reasons why goiters are coming back is because people are reducing their intake of salt and iodized salt. So wait, this is from Big Goiter? Yeah. Trying yes, to get us to... It would be fi- from Big Salt. There's actually no, like the salt U.S. Big Salt want us to have salt. <laughs> I, Big Goiter association... would be telling the us The U.S. Goiter Association, I believe it's called. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the decrease of salt intake and then also processed foods are no longer processed with iodized salt. And then the wheat flour we get, they used to process wheat flour with iodine and they switched the process to bromide instead of iodine. So uh, that's why this. goiters are on the comeback. So is that <laughs> on the comeback trail? <laughs> but I think it's just interesting. Like we we beat all these health health issues, and then they come back uh, because we just get lax. It's all in moderation. That's all. Well, because like, people know, yeah. like, oh, we're not going to vaccinate our kids anymore of, over these things, and then like rare diseases start coming back and stuff like that. So I feel like yeah. it's kind of in the same vein where like. Well, we're not going to fortify stuff with iodine anymore, so enjoy your goiters. Yeah, but it was also people eating bowls of salt for breakfast. Oh, my favorite way to start the day. <laughs> well, it, it's 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 not a huge amount of salt. You don't need a huge amount of iodine. Like, it's just, it's just like uh, we just need a little extra. Cause I actually, it's a pinch. Uh, just a pinch. Just a pinch of it. I thought a spoonful. Or no, I'm thinking of sugar. Yeah, because uh, actually too much iodine is could be negative as well. So that's actually seen to cause uh, mental like issues as well, developmental issues. So you just it's just a, a balance. So yeah, that's my fact. So your fact is called "You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't." No, my fact is called the Midwestern Goiter Belt. Uh, I was gonna call it the Shack Attack. That's sorry, the Salt Attack. <laughs> Exactly. Alex, did you make up a fact in your head again about Shaquille O'Neal? Always do. The Midwest. The Shack Tag. What's funny about my my fact is I just kept digging deeper and deeper. There's so much, like, good info about iodine, and it's crazy, like, how, like, much there is to it. And I, I wish I would have been able to include more, but it's just, you know. Could this be our first two part fact? No. You come back next week? Negative, Ghost Rider. Mark the calendar. This could be Salt Week. You know, like Shark Week? Every year Mike shows up the, what, the first week of August and gives us a salt fact. I'm marking in the calendar. It's the second week of August. <laughs> Every second week of August. All right. Well, I'll give you a quick teaser. So the reason why iodine even exists in the water and all that stuff in the first place is because of... From that... Where it came from, get it might have been older than the solar system. Well, actually, Wait. that might be the case. So it was the uh, advancement of the um, the ice. Um, so basically, the ice uh, when the ice melted away, um, it left iodine. So yeah, yeah. So what you're telling me is, before our universe or our solar system, there was the land of iodine. Salt? Yes. So, so so all these facts are interconnected. It's amazing. All right, go on. So just so you know, I do now have a yearly uh, reminder on my phone to tell me that it's time for Mike's salt fact. Hey, Pat, oh, okay. you can go next. I thought you were going to say it's time for your goiter check. Yep. All right. So 
my fact I learned from a new TV show, which has been canceled, so it's not really new, but uh, no one's ever talked about it to me, so it's new to me, called Joe Para. And each week he just talks about really random things. And this one thing just like hit me like a ton of bricks. It's about a war that no one's ever heard of before. Have you ever heard of the war between Alberta, Canada and rats? No. No, actually, uh, I thought I was going to know this, but then, yeah, I don't. This is amazing. Carry on. Mike, Mike. It prides himself in his knowledge about every war that ever happens. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't realize it was a rat war. Yeah. Well, we all know what rats are, right? Disgusting pests. Oh, elaborate. (laughs) Yeah. In the movie Ratatouille, they make him seem nice. Yeah, I don't like that rat. He's a little stuck up. Like, he's, like, rude to his other rat friends. You know, he walks on his two feet like he's better than him. Like, come on. Anyway. And it's not a good movie. In 1775, Norway rats were introduced to the east coast of North America. These rats are unique because they can only survive by living with humans, like Remy from Ratatouille. They cannot survive in a while. So, as colonists moved west, so did the rats. These rats had their run of the country until they made one fatal flaw. Moving to Alberta, Canada in 1950. And he's... Bats are completely anti-hockey. Is that one of those things, too? Yeah, well, they would eat all the hockey sticks and drink all the beer. And they would use up all the health care. Norway rats were first discovered on a farm in Alberta near Alsask on the eastern border during the summer of 1950. The Alberta government knew of the economic costs of rat infestations, but were more afraid of plagues. That's what rats do. Yeah. So in 1950, the responsibility of rat control moved from the Department of Health to the Department of Agriculture. Okay. Everybody's trying to shift the blame on this rat management. No, because uh, they like they knew they, every step of the way, the Canada just nailed this, or at least Alberta did. So years before the rats showed up, Alberta passed the Agricultural Pest Act of Alberta in 1942. This yeah. meant that the Minister of Agriculture could name any animal that posed harm to crops as pests, and that it is every person and municipality's responsibility to remove these pests immediately. If the government was not satisfied with your pest removal ability, they could come in and remove them and then charge you for it. So you better do your job. $10 a rat, sir. Yes. People do not like to be charged. No. Yeah, tell me how to... I like my rats. Tell me if they... They they charge you by the pound. Like, (laughs) get a whole sack of dead rats, uh, sir. Yeah, that's $5,000. So, they have rats. They want to do something about it. Enter William Lobay, crop protection supervisor. He came up with the idea of a rat control zone. Now, this is actually, I think, a genius idea. Rather than have your rat control go throughout all of Alberta, Canada... They decided to make their own, essentially, like, a great wall against rats. If they could keep the rats away from the border, then they wouldn't have to worry about the rest of Canada or Alberta. (laughs) Is this kind of like the wall in, like, Mexico? It's not not a wall at all. It's a zone where they focus all their attention. So they put, like, all their effort into uh, doing this long uh, zone. So along the eastern border of Saskatchewan is a 373-mile-long and 18-mile-wide zone that runs from Montana to Cold Lake. It's like a wall of defense against infestation. Most of the rat control 
happens here. Because rats had only just arrived in Alberta, most people living there had never seen a rat. So the government had to start educational programs where they would have to bring in preserved dead rats and be like, this is a rat. Oh, I thought they showed them all film, film copies of Ratatouille. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they, would, uh, they, you know, they built that time machine and they showed them. Um, no, they showed, I, I guess at the time, would it be uh, Lady in a Tramp when they had that rat attack the baby at the end of the movie? Oh, yeah. that was horrifying. It's the best part of the movie. Well, because you don't like seeing happen. babies in movies. <laughs> yeah, baby versus rats. It's been happening. Wait, that movie was sponsored by Alberta, Canada. All right, where were they? So they uh, they started this whole educational program where they taught kids and adults what rats are and how to get rid of them. You would think that all this would have been enough to stop the infestation, but by 1951, the rats had broken through some parts of the rat control zone. So I'll, I know. You think they had a guy on the other side? <laughs> Pat, what type of control methods do they use in this control zone? Like, Well, whatever they were doing was not working, so okay. they had to call in an expert. They had to bring in a private pest control firm. I feel like this would have been a reality TV show if those existed back then. You know in those movies where like there's always one person like, no, we, we can't let somebody else come in and do this. They're going to they're gonna ruin, they don't know us, they're going to ruin our area. So between uh, June 1952 and July 1953, uh, private rat pest control firms uh, poured around 160,000 pound, pounds of tracking powder and you and they use this in 8000 buildings and 2300 farms now unfortunately around 73% of this powder was made of arsenic which if you're not aware is poison okay it's not iodine so, no it's not iodine it won't i guess it'll help with your goiters cuz it'll kill you and then you won't have to worry about your goiter anymore so the powder was supposed to only be used in permanent structures but wasn't always the case and as temporary structures were destroyed and brought by new people, they were being exposed to poison. So what did the government say? Don't worry about it. It's only poisonous to rats. But that's not true. So yeah, stop lying, so, government. Yes. So as a precaution, Alberta sent out pamphlets to residents to tell them it was dangerous. So just like, hey, be careful. Don't go into any buildings <laughs> or you'll get poisoned. Yes. This, prog- this poison program was effective, but it was too dangerous and expensive, so they cut it. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, it's too expensive to let you know about this poison. <laughs> so it's it's way cheaper to care for your dead relatives and, and health issues. But I think it was like a shock enough that like the rats were like, oh, they're not messing around, you know. So, so you think the, the rats, the rats knew that this is going, you're making it sound like the rats were like sentient. <laughs> like they, they knew the government was like, coming after them. Yeah, they have a rat king. He's in charge. Um, so infestation started at one in 1950, and it increased to 573 in 1955. Wait. And it wasn't until 1959 that they started dropping, and that's because that's about how long it takes to educate all your people about how to properly get rid of rats and the rat control. Wait, is one rat considered an infestation? I think it's like a nest of rats is like one, like... Okay. You find like a nest, so there was like 573 nests. Damn. However, after 1959... Just nine years later, the number of infestations dropped dramatically to the point where there are one to five infestations confirmed per year. And it's so low that the number of single rats that hitch rides on vehicles per year is actually more than the infestations are now. 
So this all because everybody was educated about how to get rid of them? They Everyone was educated in that area. Like, they have the control zone. It's like a law that you have to call the the rat control center mm-hmm. and they come to your place and they'll clean it out. So that's, they have this like imaginary zone on along the border that they just, they cut out all the nonsense right there. And now they, that's why if you ever go to Alberta, you probably will not see your rat. Nice. And that is the war of Alberta versus rats. I think New Let's York needs to implement something like this. It's too much. There's too many rats. There is groups Gross. of people who have like dogs that will, go out on the weekend and have their dogs hunt rats for the fun of it that sounds like fun mike are you part of this group i wish i I saw like a documentary about it it was pretty uh gross that's why mike named his dog hunter 100 percent no i I think they were corgis or something like that uh alberta versus rats alberta the rats it's actually just a pretty smart idea. Rather than to spread your resources, focus it all on one really strong front structure. It's like, put all our shields up front. And then everyone else lives in peace. Nice. Well, there you have it, folks. The three facts you have tonight are the Melina Water, the Midwest Gordo Belt, Alberta versus Vets. So you can go vote on the factoffpodcast.com or just click the link in the show notes and vote for which one you think is the best. Like us on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Real quick, Alex. We actually had a new review. Um, So if you guys want to leave us a nice, kind review, uh, we'd love that. Yes, thank you so much. I noticed we have a couple new ones in Apple Podcasts, but no reviews on Spotify yet. So if you guys are listening on spotify i would love to see a review on there yeah we're looking for the joe rogan type money this time next year when mike's giving his next salt fact we're gonna be getting a hundred million dollar contract by spotify yeah i will salt you guys next week (laughs) or next year (laughs) next year we don't want to overdo it too much salt's bad thing or not enough is a bad thing so confusing anyway (laughs) have a good night have a great day